0: Happy New Year to all of our listeners out there. Hopefully you enjoyed a very festive holiday season, end of year with your families, with your friends, whatever it is you enjoy doing to bring in the new year. Obviously here at Cracked Rackets, we love talking tennis, and so that is what we are going to be doing at this portion of the year. And there is no friend or family member I would rather do a cracked interview with than uh, the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula, a man whose predictions are never far from the listed UTR, and of course one of the many dames, to root for the Liberty Flames. Chris Halliores, who's joining us on tonight's Cracked Interviews podcast. Chris, welcome back.
2: Hey, glad to be here, Alex, as always.
0: Word on the street is you had a 4.30 uh, late night last night?
2: Oh, it's rough. You know, those old guys, It's it's. I wish I could say I was out drinking, but yeah, you know, just pounding away in front of the computer all night. What a, What a night.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's actually what they expect old guys to be doing, you know, forefather of the formula and all. We're going to say you were working on that formula all night, which, again, (laughs) we're working on it all because we know, listeners, you guys are ready for the action in 2020. And obviously, there's so much tennis about to get underway from all of the pro stuff in Australia, ATP and WTA-wise. But more importantly, we've got a college tennis season right upon us and as you listeners know we have been doing our college contender series here on the correct interviews podcast as well as on the mini break podcast breaking down the year-end top 10 uh, men's teams from 2019 previewing how they are going to look in 2020 the most fun part of this exercise on the correct interviews podcast and it's a testament chris to all of the hard work you put in all of the hard work our team here at Crack rackets has done that all of these head coaches of the top 10 teams have been willing to come on the podcast to discuss their teams have some fun with us entertain our crazy ideas and obviously today Chris we had a blast of an interview with Ohio State head coach Ty Tucker right
2: oh absolutely I mean he's coach is great and for for the for those that really follow the game they'll get some of the uh, some of the subtle maybe not so subtle uh things he throws in but uh, yeah it's a it was it was a blast
0: I think what we both learned, the theme, is you want guys who uh, love tennis, who love being out there, right? They want to make it the most fun part of their day is playing tennis. That is Coach Tucker's message. And of course, I mean, it's his, I think, third time now on the podcast. He's, I should say he's our most listened to interview we ever did, the three-parter we did when he was driving back from NCAAs in 2017. I mean, what a character, a guy who will hold no shots back. He's going to tell you what he thinks true, you know, pros and cons. I mean, it, it's just, again, we've mentioned this each and every time, but you get why the Brian Shelton's, the Andreas Pedroso's, the Brian Bolin's, the Ty Tuckers of the world's are the people steering these top college tennis programs because these, I mean, these are the best in the business
2: coaching wise. Oh, no doubt. And, and and for a guy that's, a, you know, for a, for a Michigan guy to say that he would want his kids to go play for, for Ohio State, <laughs> he's, he's got to be doing something right
0: counterpoint I'm hoping crack rackets takes off to where I can become a huge Michigan donor it becomes the Alex Gruskin Michigan head tennis coach and then I can be like coach name the number you're coming to the, you're coming to blue we're just name it and uh I don't, yeah that
2: number's not out there <laughs>
0: certainly and that is not the topic we have today but coach tucker so kind to talk about all of the many things you know his team ending last year after being the national indoor champs rolling through the regular season uh you know coming off of that quarterfinal loss to unc how they rebound from a moment like that after you lose players of the caliber of a martin joyce a hunter Tubert, and obviously their number one singles player jj wolf who's now gone pro and you know jj no one's going to deny that's a pro talent so we all understand why he forewent his last season but you know Chris, in terms of the roster construction, this is a really interesting team heading into the year, right?
2: Oh no doubt. I mean obviously they lose several guys, uh, you know really four guys really from last year, but they they bring in a whole bunch of new freshmen and really really talented freshmen. so so yeah I mean there's they're still one of the top contenders. it's going be it's going to be fun to see it's always fun to see the teams that have a lot of, a lot of new players, especially ones that have a lot of expectations on them. These guys are still, you know, they should still be the top team in the Big Ten and should still be contending. And, uh, you know, it'll be it'll be good to see how how the season starts, how it gets off to a start for them
0: absolutely and we get into that we talk about uh chris maybe the best question you've ever asked at least on mike um about you know the the hour restrictions and how that affects how you approach coaching all of the many things you want to hear about when you're talking to a coach with the experience level of ty tucker and of course we end with a very conversation on the best of the decade best teams in the 2010s the usual mishikas we like to run our coaches through at the end but with that in mind enjoy chris and mind conversation with ohio state men's tennis head coach ty tucker Joining us now on the Cracked Interviews podcast with 14 straight Big Ten titles and two national indoor crowns to his name, there's no doubt that today's guest will go straight into the Buckeye Hall of Fame, and that he's achieved all of his success while owning only two pairs of sweatpants is a testament to the power of his inspirational coaching rants. Even though this past decade, he beat my Wolverines down like a it will always be my pleasure to be joined by Ohio State head coach, Ty Tucker. Coach, welcome back to the Cracked Interviews podcast. It's
1: pretty good. That's a pretty good intro. Not
0: bad. Not bad. Only the best poems for the best, Coach. You know, just, uh, wow, let's, uh, let's get it going. Yeah, of course, and I want to say Happy New Year to you and all of your Buckeye program. I know, as we were talking about before we started, it's been two days since that semi-final loss. You, your thoughts, you know, have you recovered all as well in the Tucker household?
1: You know, it uh, obviously still stings because um a lifelong Buckeye. I played at Ohio State coach at Ohio State, so Ohio State's where I want to be. So Ohio State football means a lot to me. So uh, to take the fourth L to Clemson and— uh, You know, it was tough to swallow, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know, we didn't get a lot of stuff that went right, but uh, I just think there's been a little bit on the sports shows just too much complaining because, you know, people talking about the, you know, the interception, um, the fumble, I mean, the fumble and the return, And but I thought it was the most high-quality game I've seen in in, in a couple years. I, I just... The, the hitting on both sides, the injuries, the people playing hurt, the play calling, the, you know, it was I, I thought, you know, some of those calls and some of the stuff that went on, the targeting and things like that is kind of overshadowed maybe the best game I've seen in a long, long time. I mean, sure, I'm a little bit biased, but uh, I thought that was a whale of a game.
0: Absolutely. I'm convinced that if Alave holds on to his route, that he catches that ball from Fields. Because Fields threw a couple lasers in that game. There was the non-touchdown catch to Mac in the back of the end zone where he went right over the safety's head. I mean, Justin Fields is a baller.
1: I mean, i got to be honest, I thought the... Uh we're up seven to nothing we have all the tempo we've got everything going the rights we've got them on their heels they're on skates we're just going through them we throw that pass to garrett wilson he goes up about five six feet to get it they call it incomplete said he was out of bounds then we got that playoff and dobbins was out in the flat getting ready to score Uh and then the booth then the booth called for the uh the replay of the uh garrett wilson catch and I thought we had a touchdown right there to go up 14 nothing, And then they came back and said Garrett Wilson actually had caught the ball. And uh, then we kind of stalled in the red zone three times in a row.
0: Yeah, That'll do it. I mean, three points isn't seven. Absolutely. And Dobbins drops the screen pass. That was a clear touchdown if he holds on to that one. I mean, look, you know. in year college football playoff semifinals, obviously a great year. I also have a take that Ryan Day looks like the Batman villain, the Penguin. I don't know if you guys are Batman fans, but to me, I just see the striking similarities. Um, But... All yeah, I'm that. not into that one. <laughs> I gotta be honest, with you. I don't know, I don't know what that means. But I'm not. No, he's, I don't
2: see
0: it. he's got a little Danny DeVito streak to him, Coach. That, that's what I'm. Yeah. trying to again, he's not. He's not four foot two. Yeah. <laughs> like,
1: and I, I don't see it. And he's not. Oh. And he's not married to the bartender
0: from Shears. <laughs> so, I be... Not yet, Coach. But you know, once he start getting there's still time. He's only forty. I get it. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And look we could talk. I i feel like when I sent you that text of Ohio State was so good in my head did I think it might reverse jinx them? Absolutely.
1: That was good good effort by you. Good effort.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, but uh hard. you know, but I, I
1: honestly I thought the buck i should have been one. People are gonna yell, you know, Joe Burrow grew up forty miles from where I grew up in Zanesville, Ohio and uh my high school football team played as a couple, so I've been singing Joe burrow's praises for years, but uh I gotta be honest. I thought we deserved the one seat. I I, I think, you know, Penn State thinks they're our rival. I think Wisconsin thinks they're our rival. And of course, uh, Michigan is our rival. And uh, but in football, Wisconsin thinks it's them since Michigan's been a little bit average of late and Penn State thinks it's them. And, you know, we had three hard hitting games in a row back to back to back. I mean, back to back to back. And we came through with you know, 10-point victory in all of them or more and uh, double-digit. And, you know, I thought, you know, playing three rivalry games right in a row and, you know, getting the crap kicked out of us. I mean, you know, I, I, yeah. I thought we deserved that one seed and a uh, chance to play Oklahoma would have obviously been what the uh, doctor ordered after you look at the Oklahoma-LSU game. But, Gene, no. I, I, thought, I thought we got robbed a little bit right there because uh, – that's pretty tough. I mean, Wisconsin, Penn State, Michigan, back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. I mean, that's that's rough.
0: Yeah, that's as difficult as it gets. And, of course, when you go up against a Trevor Lawrence, who was the J.J. Wolf of college football this year, uh, it's going to be difficult. I mean, champions bring their A game. You, to beat a champ, you got to knock them off. And, obviously, I— Stupid quote, but Coach Dabo Sweeney said, "You know they could prepare for what we do, but they can't prepare for who we are." And that showed. It was, as you mentioned, an outstanding game. And I threw in the JJ names to try and do some sort of transition. Not as smooth as I would have liked, but obviously, for no. You again, guys, you again you missed. <laughs> again you missed. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: but 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 but, but, I, but I'll be honest, I'm not shocked. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I missed, like, those referees missed uh, do- or whoever the running back was being down on that fourth and inches in overtime, Coach. Um, but mm. all of that to be said, uh, obviously, for you guys in 2019, you're coming off of a tremendous season, 32-3, and three, national indoor champions. Uh, you know, as you head into the 2020 dual matches, I know you guys have had a fall already session for this year that we'll talk about in a little bit. But how are you feeling about the Buckeyes heading into the next decade?
1: I mean, the Buckeyes, uh, we're talking Buckeye tennis right now, aren't we? (laughs) Of course. Yeah. uh, You know, I I think uh, great coaching out there, I think, since I've been coaching a head coach in major college tennis now for 21, 22 years as a head coach, I, I think the coaching's picked up, you know, four or five times. So, you know, I'm not, you know, downplaying anybody from the past. But I think, you know, used to be you might be able to pick up a rock and you find a player and be the only guy looking at that player. But nowadays, you know, you pick up a rock and there's 13 coaches crawling out from underneath it. So I think there's, uh, you know, great coaching, great assistant coaching because the money is uh, starting to get better and better. And in the um, assistant coaching part of the game. So I think you're getting a lot of guys who uh, can, can, can make a living uh, being an assistant coach and it's a pretty nice job. And you know, I think college tennis is in good places as far as uh, parity and and strength, and uh, it's uh, it's it's really nice to see. It's really nice to see because, like I said, in the past 21 years, I mean, a- a- every Power Five team, so many teams, are pretty darn good.
0: Absolutely. And I'm I'm curious, you talk about that money flowing in. We've mentioned this before. Uh, So many top programs now are fortunate enough to host challenger events, future events. And for you guys, I know you guys, I think have three challengers now in Columbus throughout the year. How valuable is that for your program? Not only to give your own team members uh, chances to dabble in the professional tour, but to see the you know all of these talented players come to Columbus and have your team uh see the the level of tennis at the challenger level. How helpful is that to your program?
1: You know it's it's very helpful. It gets a chance. But what people don't realize
0: is, uh you know, it's it's
1: a whale of an advantage for the guys on your team because they uh, you know playing against the guy in the first round that's been in town for twenty four hours and maybe hit for an hour and a half on courts that you've had thousands of hours of practice on. So. You know, you really get a a very good opportunity uh, as some of these good players that deserve to have some wild cards in the challengers to get a real significant win, a top 250 win, which is going to make them better that day. You know, you could practice for 100 hours, but you beat a man 250 in the world. You're going to be better right now. Right now, so and I think it's not really that much of an upset when you're when a J.J. Wolf or a John McNally or a Canon Kingsley are playing a Torpegard or playing a a guy 260 in the world who's just flown in from Davis Cup in, in Guam or something. So, you know, it's it's nice on that. Now, on the other end of the coin, you know, it can get a bit tricky because guys can get do too well and then they can start getting that ATP ranking and there can be some pull for them to to turn pro and uh, so you gotta
2: take the good with the bad yeah so, so coach how about so we, we we look at the team last year and then come into this year so obviously i mean obviously everybody knows that, that jj's out now playing on the pro tour but you also lose martin joyce and hunter tubert that were you know stalwarts there for you that have to be you know a big hit but then at the same time you bring in a huge freshman talented class uh so why don't you talk about you know what it's like having to to move on with with the three guys leaving and then the guys you got coming in.
1: You know, JJ Wolf, uh great player, Ohio guy, wanted to be a buckeye, lucky to have him, uh, really did well and deserved to get the opportunity he got to uh be a professional player and sign a contract and you know, so was happy for JJ. Martin Joyce and Hunter Tubert gonna miss those guys. Great people, uh still see tubert a good bit martin Joyce is actually the volunteer assistant in texas so we'll see him up in columbus on february 1st or 2nd when we play the longhorns but uh you know it's uh you know it's tough but uh you know to be honest uh canon kingsley's uh you know he's a legitimate i mean he might be ranked 15 in the country after one fall so he's a legitimate top 20 in the country college tennis player and we're hoping he's going to be a legitimate top eight in the country college player in uh in columbus he had a nice one in the challenger early on played Quitakowski to a tight tight match as well and a challenger we had back in september uh, did well at the 15k we've got justin Boulet who's you know mother was a top 20 in the world women's professional uh tennis player and uh you know he's beaten uh he's beaten liam draxel uh two times in the past month and you know draxel very well could have you know have a have a claim at being the best freshman in the in the nation so you know those two guys have really uh uh, you know, shown some great tennis for, you know, Boulay just turned 18 maybe in November or the end of October, and, you know, Kingsley semifinal the U.S. Open juniors, so those two guys uh, doing well, and uh, Robert Cash, uh, Robert Cash uh, being ranked two in the country in doubles with John McNally after one uh, fall season is, uh, uh, you know, pretty good showing for him as well, so... We're feeling pretty good with that, but like we said, they're freshmen, and uh, you know, winning on the road, winning in some neutral uh, environments is a little more difficult than uh, winning in uh, at home. So,
0: yeah, you know, sure. but. Uh, <laughs> No, certainly, Coach. And I wanted to say, you know, in losing JJ and Martin, that was the one doubles team. And I believe they went something uh, pretty ridiculous last year, like 17 and four. And then obviously McNally and Tubert, I think, went 21 and one at three doubles. So. For you, as you work through all of the talent, as you try to figure out what combinations work, what don't work, is that what you use this fall for? Obviously, you know, Cash and McNally seem to be working out just fine, but will you still play around with the combinations given that it's such a young team this year?
1: I mean, darn good question, right? Obviously, we've got uh, two sets of doubles combinations that we have in our mind right now that. Uh, we're going to use uh, throughout the season and hope that uh, we're not going to have to adjust from the, uh, you know, five teams that, that, that we have playing right now. So, you know, it's, uh, there's obviously some strategy in in the doubles and uh, it's very tricky because lasts about 25 minutes. So you've got to have good teams and uh, disciplined players, but, uh, you know, we feel okay with the doubles, but again, you know, having, Hunter Tubert, John McNally locked down that 3-0, and uh, J.J. and Joyce uh, did a pretty good, good job. But, uh, I, I, you know, Cobalt and Selig were very, were very, very good themselves. Uh, I think they went on a 10- or 11-match win streak uh, at one point. So, you know, we've got some uh, work to do, but I feel like we have some uh, pretty good pieces in the doubles, and uh, knock on wood, we'll be able to uh, – uh, get a doubles
0: point or two. You mentioned the difference between the falls and the dual match environment. How much weight do you put in those fall results? Because obviously, you know, 13-2 and two for Cash and McNally, that's, they were playing the best in the country. That stands out. But you've got other partnerings, you know, Boulays and Trotter and uh, Andrew and Trotter. And I'm not even going to try and say Andrew's last name because I'll butcher it, but Siebert, uh, Siebert and uh, Waridi, uh, you know, is is despite seeing the many things is you know i know you guys were so good to start the year last year through the indoors you know undefeated till you went to texas without jj um but you know is this this season it's a different team there's a lot of new faces so is will your approach to the beginning of the dual match season be different
1: yeah i mean we've got you know the the the, the thing that we have going for us is got a pretty uh tough home schedule and with these young guys uh, you know they need they need a l- some more matches at, at home and uh you know less less on the road and and we have that for them uh and uh obviously we thought that uh jj would be back but it just played itself you know the way that uh, we we pretty much needed it with texas texas a m usc arizona state uh to name a few that that are coming to columbus it's you know, we're we're lucky in that uh, respect that uh, we, that we are. Uh, you know, these guys are going to get some good opportunities at home before having to go on the road at Georgia, which is always a tough an environment, and uh, and going to Stanford. So, you know, those are only two true road matches uh, uh, right away. So, uh, you know, in the first two months, you know, obviously we hope to make the final 16 of the NCAA tournament, which is which would be in Wisconsin, and we know that facility pretty well. But uh, I, I think uh, Notre Dame and uh, Georgia and Stanford are the only places we go out of conference uh, this year on the road. So I think that, uh, you know, we have a shot being at home and uh, quite possibly having three, possibly four freshmen uh, playing in the lineup Uh no, nothing's going to be easy, but they're very quality. Like I said, I I believe Kingsley and Buleta to, to both be top 15, top 20 players in the country right now today. To go along with Selig and McNally, so I don't think anybody's having a fake sale for us. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> So, so you, you talk about that schedule, Coach, and you look – I look at it, and, and as you said, you know, you start off with – it's all all home matches leading leading up to indoors, and then you go to, to Notre Dame, and, and then your first away, uh, away match that would appear in all likelihood to be an outdoor match, and that's at Georgia. You, is there any chance to get – you know? Are, do you use leading up to that any chance you get to kind of practice outdoors to get out there, or do you not put that much stock in – getting time outdoors seeing that you'll have a, a good quality match outdoors coming
1: yeah we get some time we usually go down in the beginning of january down to delray beach florida and and practice for four or five days try to get some there obviously we put that georgia get to georgia a couple days early practice there and then from georgia fly straight to stanford so you know we know what's you know we know that it's it's a trap match because it's, it's, it's tough. They've got great teams and we've been indoors for a while, but it's, it's what you have to do. You know, it's, it's, it's no real difference than going to Texas and Texas A&M last year. After being indoors all that time, it's, it's not going to be easy, but it, it, it's never easy, but you know, a chance to play the best, uh, you know, that's, you're going to get better. And, uh, you don't know, want to have an opportunity to, to 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 play some big time matches and give these guys that opportunity to think back for you know years to come uh you know we played a real schedule and played you know year in and year out we're having five six matches with top 10 teams is is pretty cool yeah. Without
2: Honestly, press- one guy that I think on the team that's got to be looking forward to that Georgia match because if if my predictions are accurate, it'll be a good rematch, and that is is John. I think will get a a, 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 re- a redemption match against Henning after the All American match.
0: Yeah, I mean,
1: everybody's pretty good, and everyone's. There and you know you 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 got to bring it day in and day out. You've got to bring the focus and uh, you've got to get up for 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 every match. But obviously another another tricky match. I'm sure John would probably rather play McKinn uh, outdoors in Oklahoma than in front of three thousand people yelling at him in Athens. <laughs> but you know they're not going to play that match in Tulsa, so we're going to have to go to Athens. And I mean everybody's good. It's 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 what I've said. I mean it's just. You know, the margins are thin. People don't realize who's points. I mean, gee, many, 30 all points are, are huge nowadays. Anything could happen. I, I just feel college tennis, is, I, there, there's parity. I mean, I just honestly think so many teams are darn good. And I think this year you've got three or four teams that might on paper stick out a little more than some other teams, but. I'm not so sure there's there's much separation from four to twenty.
2: No, I yeah, I, I agree there. So I got one one follow-up from, from earlier. You were talking about some of the new guys and you know, I look at the fall results for uh, and you were talking about Boulet beating uh Drackle twice in the last month. I'm I'm kinda wondering if the amongst the guys, you know, Cannon played him earlier and went like six and six at the at the US Open juniors. And then Boulay just Boulay gave him six games total in two matches. Is he uh, is he giving Cannon a little grief over that one?
1: <laughs> I mean he isn't much of, he isn't much of that guy. You know he's chasing Cannon. Boulay was injured for a while. He won the Canadian Championships I think 2018 and he was up to 540 ATP and it's like. Nobody even knew, you know, he goes into the to, to the fall season. They don't even rank him as one of the 10 best freshmen. So I think that gave him a little bit of motivation. Plus, he knew, you know, he's he's going to get a chance to play up in the lineup. He, he doesn't have he, – he can't swing and miss too much because – you know, people aren't good. People are gonna say no, he can't play above McNally. No, he can't play above like No, he can't play above Kingsley. So, you know, he knew that he had some work to do if he wanted to be up there to where in the lineup to where he thought he belonged. Because we thought he belonged there. I mean, we've I thought that guy's one of the most talented tennis players I've ever seen. Left-handed, five six foot, arm like JJ. I mean, the ball comes off like fast. A 130 mile an hour serve. I mean, that guy's a tennis player and. uh you know it's 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 you know his mom was top 20 in the world his dad was a coach and another tennis player canon kingsley i mean those guys are tennis players robert cash is getting better and he's a doubles player i mean robert cash is a darn good doubles player and of course mcnally's good see good uh james trotter's had a great uh a great fall who's uh you know starting to come in and uh You know, I think he's up to 40 in the country in college right now. Trotter, you know, him playing position five and six. uh, You know, I think uh, if everything goes well, that uh, we can get uh, better and better. Uh, You know, right now we've been uh, trying to redshirt J.J. Mercer, uh, who's come in and done pretty good. He was a very good American top-ranked top junior. Uh, Andrew Letchanik, who had two knee surgeries and was a darn good 15-year-old tennis player and Basically didn't play for two years in juniors. Well, he traveled around with a 46-pound knee brace on. We finally got rid of the knee brace. That guy's had a that guy's had a whale of a fall. And I mean, people are, like you said, you can't even pronounce his name. I don't think anybody knows who he is. But, but he's pretty darn good. He's getting better. I, I I'm telling you, he uh, just lost the C in the finals of a money tournament in Philadelphia last night. And you know, he had a couple set points in the first set. And this guy's. You know, he's, I tell you what, he's, he hate me to say this, but another year he's going to be there because he so badly wants to be there now. But, uh, come on, Andrew, keep fighting.
0: <laughs> and, you know, coach, I feel like I'm never going to shake my Wolverine label with you, but you can ask, <laughs> Well, you can ask Chris when I—because I, I watch—they should sponsor us at this point, but livestream.com backslash ATP. I was watching Boulay's play, his uh, match in Columbus, and I text Chris, and I go, Tucker got another one. I'm like, this kid is just quintessential Ohio State indoors. He's going to hit so big. I think I watched his match versus Arcanada, uh, that 6-6 six and six win he had in the first round. And yeah, I mean, all of these talented kids, you know, Cash and Mercer, that was as good of a junior doubles team as you— you'll have uh through the junior ranks they played together a bunch and had a ton of success whenever they did uh, but one thing i would say that's different about your team this year and you know not that you know McNally and Selig aren't exceptional players as you mentioned they're both top 40 already but there, you know, Torp was the senior for so long. Before him, it was Rolla. Before him, it was Buchanan. And on this year, this year's team, it, it, there really aren't too many upperclassmen. I think Selig is the only, you know, senior by delegation. There may be some redshirt juniors, but him and John really the elder statesmen of the team this year. Uh, how have they adapted to that leadership role that comes with being an upperclassman?
1: I mean, they're still trying to uh, get, you know, they're still trying to uh, do it. And uh, every day we ask them, you know, I mean, what you can be, what everybody can do for this team is – practice like you are a captain and uh, you know, that's what we've tried to do is, you know, why not? We've only got 10, 12 guys on the team. Why can't we all be captains? Why can't you hold yourself to the level every day? Why can't this be the fun part of the day where you come out you play tennis with a smile on your face for two hours and 15 minutes and run through a wall laughing and giggling and having a good time and, you know, that's what we look for from a captain and what we look for day in and day out in practice and, you know, just too many times, you know, you, you, you got to stay away from those guys where tennis isn't the fun part of their day and you know right now it's been great it could be the fresh faces and having five freshmen on this year's team and uh but you know what it's 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 absolutely been great because you get a lot of fresh faces wanting to get better want to do what the coach wants them to do now obviously that can change after a year you know these guys can Have enough of you or whatever happens, but uh, right now it's been it's been a good time, uh, you know, practicing with these guys day in and day out, and 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 you say stuff like or JJ, but you know why couldn't Cannon Kingsley? I mean, semifinalist at the U.S. Open. Why why couldn't he, you know, play top eight in the country in college tennis? I mean. He he really wants to be good. He chases it. He left school with December 16th, 17th, after a few days of practicing here, went to the USTA, played in that uh, wild card playoff, did well down there. Why couldn't Dulé? Why couldn't McNally? Why couldn't Selig? I mean, you know, we've we've been fortunate enough to have guys that have locked down the number one spot. And, you know, we feel that we've got four guys that, you know, if they really want it, they could step up and... and, and have a good
2: uh good run at the number one spot well that well, well that brings that's that's a, a good bit on on the top four so now I have to ask a question coach and and Gruskin's way too afraid of you to ask this question I'm just <laughs> fully aware that you could squash me and it wouldn't even be any fun so I'll ask anyway Siebert is he going to be listed in the lineup and is he going to play uh, oh gosh I forgot <laughs> I got I got I, I forgot about Tim oh you know Tr-
1: Tim's done a good job. I mean, Tim, I, I feel bad for Tim. He probably came to school a year too two early. Most of the international guys, 18, 19, when, when they show up in uh, America and uh, for, for college. And Tim was 17 years old. So, you know, I think Tim's like 19 right now or just turning 20, and he's already into his junior year. And, you know, it's like Torpegard, I don't think he left college until 23 and a half. And, uh, you know, here's, here's Tim going to leave at 21. And, uh, you know, it's been a tough transition for, for, for Tim. And, uh, but he, he's made a pretty good job. He's, he's definitely a guy that in the conversation and actually should be starting on our team this year. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, but he'll be listed somewhere. Will he be listed at, uh, four against Wake Forest? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it, coach. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's great. And yeah, I mean, for you, again, you talk about one through four, but uh, I, your team really goes, you could argue, nine, ten deep this year. And I'm curious from you, from a head coaching perspective, when you and Cronagi and Dave Schilling get together, is it more difficult when you have ten guys who all have a legitimate claim to starting than it is when you have, say, six, seven, eight? Like last year, Tubert at six, that's as close to a lock as you're going to have. Uh, how much more difficult is it for you coaches when you have legitimately nine to ten guys who could all start in many college lineups?
1: Yeah, I don't know. You know, I don't know what got kind of a lot to was. That was his first year of playing singles, and he was a senior. But, you know, he got he got better and better and was a tough guy. But, you know, I, I, I just think, you know, it it, it it shakes itself out. You have lots of time to show what you're about. You have lots of time to, to show what you're doing in the summer times and what your ranking is. And with UTR, there, there's rankings everywhere. So I think the guys know – Know where they're at. And I think the young guys are trying to get better and better and better and better and better every day out there. They're trying to get a little bit better. But, you know, I think it will be like it is every year where you're using eight guys. I mean, I don't know if you remember last year, Trotter and Selig were undefeated. I think they went to the finals of a 25K future uh they are, are trotter and are, are sorry sorry Cobalt and co and uh trotter. Oh, trotter. Trotter, and trotter started the year and were eight and oh played virginia in the quarterfinals of the national indoors nakashima thumped them we took that was the first loss they were like eight or nine and oh we took trotter out of the lineup because he played have you know what we didn't want him to do in the first five minutes of the
2: match Uh, i was
0: there coach i remember the (laughs) teardown
2: i remember i remember gruskin's rant about look look at look at how look at how coaches are getting on trotter oh my god
1: (laughs) i mean and that was the last you saw trotter till texas (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was the last you saw Trotter till Texas. And uh, then he came out, and when he came back, you know, he got that win over Marks right away. But we didn't play him again till then. But Seelig and, and, and Cobalt, I think, went up undefeated up to that point.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, 22-6 and six on the year. It's crazy. Yeah. And
1: uh, so... You know, it's it's it, it's tough. I, same thing happened to Tubert early on. We liked Tubert. He double fought a couple times against Purdue, missing overhead his freshman year. Didn't see the lineup the rest of the year and. Uh... It's just, uh, you know, it's tough. It's weird how things work. But that's I guess that's probably the downside to having eight guys that that are just right there, you know, fighting for six spots is, you know, are are you best off to to let them play and not feel the pressure and let them know even if you have a bad day, you're still going to get another go-around buddy and, you know, shake their hand and hug them? Or are you best to let them know that if you make mental mistakes and things like that, you're going to find yourself out of the lineup? Because, I mean... It's tough to play six singles, but it was a lot tougher 20 years ago in indoor tennis when everybody only had four courts and the sixth guy was going out there with the match on his li- on the line and having to play two and a half hours with the match on the line instead of 20 minutes. No,
0: absolutely. <laughs> no, you can ask Chris. I said I doubt Tucker'll still be coaching if I if I can ever find someone to have kids with me, but I was like, but that's who my kids are playing for. I want them reamed out like coach Tucker just did there. Yeah, I, mean, was- I, mean,
1: I don't know. I don't I don't think it is. You spend a lot of time with these guys and you know, we were out there today, uh, guys were out there in voluntary practice and You know, I think most of these guys, they they want the discipline and they want the love and they want someone that spends a lot of time with them. And, you know, we spend a lot of time together and you're tough on them, but, you know, they run through a wall and and, and they like to play tennis.
2: And that's what I need. Tennis is the fun part of their day. (laughs) you you bringing that up brings up a a good follow-up that when we were talking to coach shelton uh he you know one of the points he brought up is you know the restrictions that a lot of these kids you know and when you get some of these top players right you've got guys that that are clearly capable of moving on to pro careers as does he that you know when, when they start to weigh what they can do when you're when you go pro you can play as much as you want you come to college and now all of a sudden you've got some of these you know, you've got times where you're completely off. You've got eight-hour weeks, and then you've got the twenty-hour weeks. Do you do you think that's something that you know that needs to change, or do you like it the way it is? What What are your thoughts on that?
1: You know, I just think it's 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 sad for for some freshmen because you know you you come into college and you're going to a great program and a top ten, top twelve, top fifteen team, and 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 everybody talks about the student athlete experience and the student athlete welfare and and everything that, that, you know, what the rules are about and how we're getting time trimmed away from us because the kids have a voice and they get a vote. And most kids don't want to play so much tennis in the fall season and things like that. But I tell you, the number one thing for student-athlete welfare, student-athlete experience is being in the starting lineup. And right now these kids, they, they come in on August 15th, and by January second third fourth fifth sixth whenever you start your your practice they in that time frame they've been able to have 44 days with their coach for three hours a day that's it from uh, so all of a sudden august september october november december i mean five months and and they've come in and and how are they going to be able to grasp the system anything that's going on when they've only been given 44 days yeah. And, and, I you be know, crazy. yeah you, you, know, you do that
2: math right you say 44 right. days three hours a day right that's very that's just over 120 hours so for, for right. the working folks right that's right. like that's like working with someone for three weeks and going, yep, I know right. exactly what we're doing
1: now, right? <laughs> right. So, so now all of a sudden you get out and you sit and you're you're you're, you're sitting there watching and it's no fun because all of these guys have, have have had their little entourages going to the junior tournaments. They they all are top 20 in the nation in juniors if they're coming into a top 15 program with a legitimate shot to to start as a freshman and then. You know, it's 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 tough for them to to get acclimated. It's tough for them to make the jump in the game to be ready for doubles when they only get 44 days with their with their college coach. And, uh, you know, so that leads to a bad experience sitting on the bench leads to a bad student athlete (laughs) experience.
0: Uh, One can only imagine. And. If you'll indulge me, allow me to compliment you. I think one of the staples of Ohio State tennis during your tenure has been the development that so many of these players undergo from, you know, the Cobalt, you know, Peter Cobalt, who got so good by the end of his time, or even players like Hunter Tubert, uh, who was just a rock solid at six come the end of his time and just a staple in the doubles lineup. I've noticed that you are not afraid to utilize the red shirt. And I'm curious, why is the red shirt an effective tool for you and something you you seem to turn to for some of these players
1: i mean most of these guys i mean you look at football you look at basketball i mean most of these guys are you know obviously it's no secret you're going to be better at 23 than you're at 18 and you're going to have a career and i just honestly believe that uh you know if you're not ready to start right away and make a difference i mean what's what's wrong i mean most of these colleges are given free summer school for for, for their, you know, student athletes. If you go to Ohio State and you're on scholarship, you any amount of scholarship, you get summer school for free and all of a sudden you can graduate in three years, three years in a semester and, and, and be well in the way to to having an MBA, being in a master's program by the time you're done with your fifth year. I mean, there's just so much opportunity nowadays. And uh, But I, I just think the red shirt is so, so very important for a lot of these guys. It, it gets them out there. It gets them 12, 15 months before they're needed, and all of a sudden, you know, they, they 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 don't have to show you for 15 months what they have. Sometimes, if a guy shows you in the first two months what he has at the All-Americans or at, at the Regionals, and he hasn't had but 18 days to practice with you, sometimes the coach looks at him and gets a little bit down on him, and maybe gets put in the doghouse with, you know, in in, in the first four or five weeks of school when he really hasn't had a chance to acclimate. So I think you know, it helps these guys give them a little more belief. Hey, I can get there. I can do this. And, uh, you know, why wouldn't you want them? They're going to be so much physically stronger at 21, 22, and 23 years old that it would only, I mean, it's a very athletic sport. It would only stand the reason that, you know, if you're at Ohio state you're getting the access to some of the best strength coaches in the world, and you're getting access to good tennis coaches and you're getting access to, to everything that they have and nutrition and everything that they have. But, Two or three years in, you would be much better than you were coming in.
0: I think case in point could be Kyle Selig, right, who goes last year 27-8 and overall, but 18-5 and in the dual match season, contributed at two doubles with both Trotter and Cobelt throughout the year, and yeah, clearly that development, uh, it it works. And you mentioned earlier, you know, it's a long season, right? You're with these guys, you know, for a year from from the fall through the dual match, and some of them don't want, want them to burn out at any point. I'm curious for you, because, you know, last year you guys started out so hot, again, undefeated through that Texas A&M match. Uh, you win the national indoors. Is burnout throughout the year, h- how do you manage you know, to ensure that players stay fresh to make sure that that love of the game is still there throughout the the 12-month season?
1: I mean, you've got to get guys. The tennis is a big part of it. The tennis is a fun part of the day. I mean, I can't say it more than that. I mean, I've already said it to you seven times today. You're obviously not listening. <laughs> uh, I mean... It's hey, just, uh, you get guys at tennis. I mean, you spend the time recruiting, you're looking for guys at tennis, where right? They want to play 11 months a year at tennis where they don't want to go home and be a lifeguard in the summer and sit at the pool and hang out with their boys and have a good time. They want to be out there chasing the tennis. It's, it's got to be a fun part of the day. It's got to be what you look forward to. It's, it's gotta be every bit what some people look forward to when they try to hook up the headphones and start playing Fortnite. It's gotta, it's gotta be, you gotta like it. You like, that, and if you like tennis, you're gonna be pretty darn good. Oh if you come to Ohio
0: God. State, if you like tennis. Yeah, I we're can't gonna play tennis. You reference Fortnite, Coach. Look at
2: you. That must play well on the recruiting trail. I I I, I, I couldn't even turn on the music. <laughs> I I was gonna say if we come to indoors and I and I see Coach Tucker break out a Fortnite dance, it's over. It's all done right there.
1: <laughs> I I, I, couldn't, I couldn't you know, I couldn't, I couldn't do anything, but I know I know they like it. <laughs> I know they like it. No, of course. But, mean, got guy, you know, I mean, Kyle Seelig played tennis his entire career like, like like, there was gold at the end of the rainbow. And uh, it's, uh, you know, great guy, great captain, great person, overachieved. But you look at Kyle Seelig, and it was tough on him. He takes a red shirt to start because, you know, Joyce and Tubert's games translate. Even though Selig could have been ranked ahead of them coming in, they all came in together together. Those guys' games translated a little bit to college tennis because they were holding serve at a higher clip than Kyle was coming in. But, you know, it's hard to say that Joyce or, or Tubert had a better career than Seelig, and they got to play as freshmen, and Selig got to had the red shirt. I mean, he was maybe one game. He, he had C going on the ropes a little bit. I, I guess I shouldn't say he was lost four in the third, but he probably had Seagoyne from uh, North Carolina, and Seagoyne was giving him a battle for the All-American at NCAAs last year in the second round. That was a great tennis match. I mean, he was so, close. Speak,
2: speaking of Seagoyne, Coach, two questions. A, <laughs> have you ever had another guy with hands smaller than Seagoyne's? And B, what grip size does he use? Yes, yeah, we did have a guy, Ilivan England had smaller hands,
1: because we, we called him Burger King hands, if you remember from the old wop a guy with the small hands, yeah, so we called him that, yeah, the Burger King hands, Ilivan England, but, uh, has got some, uh, you know, selick good. got the baby rhino, does he does he use he a small grip it.
2: size with it or does he? Yes, yes he's got, got a,
1: yes, yes, he's got it. Yes, yes, he's he's got he's got a small grip. He's got a small. Now <laughs> things are getting now things are getting weird on the show. No, I, the, say, but I
0: I watched him play. He's definitely got a huge huevos, coach. So don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah no for sure and again we mentioned you know for you last year that national indoor title you guys won the second of your career and then you know ultimately you guys uh lose i believe it was in the quarterfinals to north carolina and i'm curious for you at this point because you've made national finals you've won national indoors but obviously that one thing eluding you that national title and i'm like afraid to ask this question as i get into it but coaches uh as you approach this year you've talked about the depth of college tennis four through twenty a lot of these teams so good there's a big 10 team this year i I, michigan obviously i love but illinois brings back so much talent as well and they're right up there with you guys uh as you head into the 2020 season uh do you guys set goals from the get-go is it you know win the big 10 title compete for a national title or is it one of those day in day out approaches
1: I mean, seniors have the best. seniors Seniors have the best years and to overachieve and whatever that is, that's where it leads us. But uh, that's always been the two goals: the seniors have their best years and uh, and, and we overachieve. And uh, if we can do that, it's it's been a pretty good recipe. Obviously, you know, you want to say you want to win the Big Ten, but I just feel if every guy that's out there overachieves, plays a level better than he should be playing. And that seniors have their best years. The guys that have been there the longest are still dialed in. Tennis is still the fun part of the day. They should be having their best years. And if they have their best years, we're going to be successful.
0: No, without a doubt and I'm curious for you last year the the new round of 16 format you guys got to host Columbia and that was a really fun match last year uh, for your team obviously you guys ended up winning it four uh, one but what did you think about them switching the format to uh, teams the top eight seeds getting to host round of 16s and obviously you guys had a ton of success last year so you probably didn't have to worry about it but is that something you factor in is being able to host
1: I don't like change, so I wasn't really into it, but uh, Columbia gave us a scare. They were good. What a battle. You know, it was great. We had seven, 800 people there, so it was nice. The guys get to play at home, but, uh, you know, another close match, another tight match. Uh, anything can happen, but, uh, you know, I like the way it was when I played. You know, 16 best teams went to Athens. It's kind of like a final site. Uh, you get to go there. You you, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like – what a great season you've had you're at the final site and I think it's pretty cool for uh, all the guys and you know I just think that top eight you know sometimes you, you know you're going to have to play a heck of a schedule a heck of a schedule a heck of a schedule and you know I think the people with the best schedules with a few wins can can find themselves in that top eight because now it's becoming more and more important to, to just play everybody you can because I mean if, if you're ninth you're going to you know we didn't win 201 matches in a row at home because it's easy to win on the road so if you're the ninth seed you're going to the eighth. And, you know, you, it's going to be hard for you to be favored on somebody else's court. So, oh. you know, I thought that the 7-10 matchup, the 8-9 matchup, the 6-11 matchup, I thought those matches on a neutral site were were, were kind of a pickle. But nowadays, you know, it's it's interesting to see you know how it shakes out in the next two or three years when you look back at it and you know see who's who's hosting all the time and what they're doing to host.
0: Without question, yeah. And uh, you mentioned that I think it was the 8-9 and the seven ten were the only two home teams to have lost. I think it was USC lost to UNC, and then obviously Chris's Mississippi State Bulldogs lost to TCU. Uh, so, yeah, it, I, I like that, though, that you're uh, not a fan of the change. That's right out of Ed Nagel's mouth. I've definitely heard him say those exact same words, Coach. Um, um, I just don't like the change in anything, so it's not... Uh... <laughs>
1: You know it's tough, but you just go with it. And sometimes it's better, sometimes it isn't. I, you know, I wasn't a big fan of uh, no ad scoring, but uh, you know it's uh, it, it, it's it's pretty darn exciting for the people who do come to the match, and they can watch a good tennis match in under two and a half hours. And uh, I think the fans appreciate it maybe more than the coaches. And I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if there's some coaches that have been fired in the past that know the exact seven deuce points that they lost that led to
0: them being fired. <laughs> Oh, no, without a doubt. Uh, well, you talk about that agent of change, and uh, you know, usually I like to end with the goals question, but I was listening, Coach, and it's seniors overachieve, and wherever that takes us, that's where we go. And I'm sure also beat Michigan, make Alex eat it, is in there somewhere as well. Uh, but That is never
1: on the board. That is <laughs> never on the board. Make Alex eat it. No, that hasn't made it
0: uh oh, well, we'll work towards it cuz that's a 2020s goal for me uh to get on that board uh but that's that's great keep keep, keep <laughs> us against clemson you'll be the <laughs> <laughs> Of course. Hey, I was at that. We took the doubles point from you at that Big Ten tournament. It was great. I was rocking. Yeah, um, I don't know why you'd be rocking. That's just regular day. I mean, that's just blocking and tackling. I mean, it's
1: tough to win tennis matches. Michigan's darn good. Illinois's darn good. Indiana, Iowa, I mean, they're good teams. Penn State, I mean, playing tough tennis on the road, sometimes in that indoor tennis, the the uh, the, the court speed differs from 50% from where you play to where you're playing the next match. and You've got to get ready for real quick I'll tell you it's nothing's easy (laughs) no good
0: yeah without a doubt and again Again, if you want to take a year off after 14 straight titles, throw us one. I'm down. Um, But, uh, you know, with that in mind, I do want to do one last thing with you. It's something we've been doing with all of our coaches recently. Uh, Since we've had you on before, in lieu of the rapid fire, I do have some proposed changes to college tennis. And I'm going to tell you off the bat, you're going to find them stupid. But may I entertain you with them? Let's go. (laughs) All right. So I think one of the stupidest things that we do in tennis is the coin toss. I just, it's dumb. I want our guys competing from the moment they step on the court. So coach in lieu of coin tosses from the get go, you have two options. I would rather see, A, on all six flights, rock, paper, scissors between the two flights. I want to be there when you and Kronagi and Schilling are saying, hey, guys, 34% of the time people throw paper, so I want to see you all throwing scissors. Uh, And we just, from the get-go, the competing starts. Or we have, at the start of the matches, the two head coaches play out a point, and the winner of the point gets to choose who serves on each court. Do either of those appeal to you?
1: For sure. I like both of them. I just don't know if, uh, you know, that's how we settle some calls. You know, sometimes when there's big matches and inter-squad matches going on and some challenges and there's a call and we're not going to jump in and overrule. Sometimes we have a staring contest and the first person who blanks loses. So <laughs> I like it. I like I like where you're at.
0: <laughs> Finally, a coach in favor. I mean, I would watch you and Steinberg play a set. I- I'm in. <laughs> The guy, wants to, the guy wants to see people die. <laughs> <laughs> you'd, have to, you'd have to ditch the sweat, coach. We'd have to
1: have oxygen. We'd have to have lots of things. <laughs> <laughs> lot That'd of be
0: fun. My other one, and uh, this is slightly more serious, moving individual, all individual stuff, NCAA singles and doubles, to the fall and then leaving all of the team stuff for the spring. I know that's been kicked around before. What do you think about that?
1: you know I'm up for anything as long as it doesn't take more days you've got to remember one thing in the NCAA I think an individual sport is allowed 144 days a year a team sport to practice with their coach and I think a team sport's allowed 132 days so if moving that to the fall ends up kicking us up to being known as a team sport as opposed to an individual sport then I'm against it I want the 144 I want the 12 extra days because I feel we've lost a lot of days I think we've lost time you know obviously with the student athlete welfare and the things you know out of season in the fall we've lost a decent amount of time from when i originally started uh 23 24 years ago and uh you know i just don't want to be kicked down to be known as a team sport and lose 12 more days because i think you know coaching college tennis i like to get great players but i also love to to be out there you know mixing it up on the court and practicing it's its its what I like to do so you know to
2: lose more days I'm against that Coach I've, I've got one last one for you I'm, I'm really on behalf of my glorious co-host here if I set the over under at three and a half over under the number of times you've heard Druskin say McNally hooked him in juniors <laughs> I mean I would have to say I, I might have to go under
1: Oh, no. I might not have to go under. I might not have to go under. You probably told a lot of other people that than me. You probably told <laughs> you that. Coach Coach Dancer. He's on, you going to get on there gossip gossip it off, man. trying try to give them scouting reports on
0: it. Yeah. Well,
1: that's, I, I, I would, I would vote that more than than the, the over under. I, I, I would go with
0: that more. Well, y'all throwing a plug here. We had Katie sending videos of matches. Yeah, I, 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 we had Katie McNally on the podcast, and I did bring it up with her. Although I'll say he was up six oh two one like. He could have given me that second game, but that's again we've litigated that story enough. Um, um, sounded right. <laughs> like sounded like you had wanted it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I didn't. It was for two all, and then I double faulted three in a row. So it, the the gods don't lie, right? I obviously that that match wasn't for me. Um, but all right, last two for you because I know you have an appreciation for tennis history. Uh, I asked this to Coach Shelton; I'll ask you as well. Me being a modern player, two-star recruit coach, whatever that means for you. I'm the, you would have redshirt me year one for sure. You probably redshirt me year two as well. Get them both out there. Um, but you put me with all I know about the modern game and my modern Prince Graphite racket back in time. How many decades back do you have to go to where I would become a multi-time Grand Slam champion? And we may be calling it you know, Alex Gruskin Stadium instead of Arthur Ashe. 1830. <laughs> I mean, before
1: the Civil War,
2: probably. Can we get an applause
1: sound, Bill? Thank you. I mean, there's no. I mean, I mean, first of all, you're probably not putting the ball in the court enough if you're
0: just a two star. So I don't know. I don't know if that's going to help you going back in time if you can't put the ball in between the lines. Are you t- you telling me Don Budge sees my two-handed backhand and he doesn't go, what what was that? He's like, are you serious? Don Budge probably was 19-something. I'm talking 1830,
1: my man. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's Ulysses S. Grant. That's who you're
0: playing. He'll he'll be hammered and I'll just be taking advantage of it. It'll be probably, you, probably you're winning because he spent
1: four years in war and didn't play at all while you were practicing.
0: <laughs> I just say they're all serving and volleying and I'm hitting topspin ground strokes and they'd be like, "What? You can do that?" And I'd be like, "Dude, just wait till you find out about synthetic gut strings. Like, it's gonna blow your mind." Um No, you might be right, Coach.
1: Around the 16 quarters.
0: (laughs) I like it. And then my last one for you, and I'm expecting a cop-out answer, but it's as part of our Best of the Decade series, it's 2019. We've looked back at the past 10 years of college tennis, and obviously there are a ton of phenomenal Buckeye teams over these past 10 years, a ton of phenomenal college tennis teams in general. If I were to ask you, Name the best college tennis team you saw over the past 10 years. Who would you nominate?
1: Over the last 10 years, best. Not not, not Ohio State, just best.
0: Yeah, non-Ohio. it can be non-Ohio State if that's easy.
2: It it has to be. We don't have a title. Well, you
0: have two indoor titles, so I'm going to agree to disagree.
2: Thank you, because Gruskin keeps trying to make a case for one of his Virginia teams that didn't win. And I keep telling him, if you win the title, you can't be in the conversation.
0: No, you're wrong. That 2011 team was so good. We'll just call the Buckeye football team the best in the country this year. (laughs)
1: Yeah, there you go. That's
2: it. I'm All with right. you now. Okay.
1: Sure. All right. you have to have <laughs> yeah. But cool. but, but, but uh, God, it, it'd have to have Stevie Johnson and Farah. Might who got the thirty in the world, and the guy who got the one in the world in doubles. And it'd have to have some combination of Stevie Johnson and Farah in there. I mean, I'm just far. I'm trying to. I think they were a little drone, bit better. Yeah. I think they were a little better. Probably that 2011 USC team. Uh mm-hmm. ah, probably 2012.
0: Yeah. Stevie oh, Johnson I, was a junior or senior, I bet. Yeah, Kieros and Gomez. And, yeah. Yeah, Nguyen I mean, got, and you've Ray. Got,
1: you've got a guy that got top 30 in the world in singles, a guy that got the one in the world in doubles, two guys in Kiros and Yannick Hampfman and <laughs> freaking uh, and Gomez, who all three were in the top 200, and then Daniel Nguyen, who's still
0: playing. Yeah, of course, and, and Sarmiento. Yeah, sorry, Ray. Sorry, I forgot about you. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good team. I would say this your 2011 team with Buchanan, Rolla, Kobelt, uh, McCarthy, I think. Uh, I want to say. Dean Mack was, was good. At the end of his career, D Mack was good. Yeah, Devin McCarthy was good. Yeah, that's. I mean, th- that 2011 season. There were some really good teams. Uh, I mean, I've watched the the highlights too many times. So yeah, I, I agree with you. Again, it, it it's close. Well, I would me.
1: say Farrah's senior year, they were probably, whatever. I would have to say that was. I mean, Farrah was playing one. Stevie Johnson was playing was playing two as a freshman. No, he's playing three as a freshman. I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think mean Lucasen was at two. I would. Now, what else? What other team
0: would you guys say? Well, so uh, here's my case for the 2011 UVA team. Undefeated through the the finals of NCAA. Don't give me that. Don't give me that. Just give me the lineup. Line up. Line up. up. Just give it to me. Okay. Shabazz, Damajan, Sanam Singh, Jameer Jenkins, healthy Drew Courtney, and either Julian Uruguin or Justin Shane. That team is freaking good. What, 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 What does healthy Drew Courtney mean? (laughs) <laughs> it means before he broke his foot in the NCAA. Before oh, my he God. So, Okay,
1: so, so now we've got, I mean, that's, 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 <laughs> you know, that's
0: Or 2013. I, I don't think you can
1: do. Okay, give, give me
0: the lineup. Jarmir, Damajan, Mitchell Frank, either Ryan Shane, I think, played four, Justin played five, Julian played six. NCAA champs, undefeated.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a team that's right up there.
0: Damajan over Cobelt, 7-6 in the third, National Indoor Semifinals. We all remember the match. I don't. I don't. I don't. Not, even,
1: not even sure it happened.
0: <laughs> that team's really good. I mean, there, are a lot of, there were a lot of really good teams is why this was such a fun exercise, because I, I would agree with you when you said, I think college tennis, it just gets better and better.
1: Yeah. You're opening up old wounds. That's for sure. I've got a couple <laughs> scars, But uh, no, I mean, uh, some good teams. College tennis has been good. Great coaches. I mean, I just tell you, they're just, everybody's working hard. Everybody's hustling. Everybody's got a plan. And, uh, it, it's, it's, it's amazing to see. And, uh, I think college tennis is, uh, moving in the right direction. It's unbelievable to see the run that, uh, Kopfer's had up to the top hundred in the world from Tulane and, uh, you know, just to, to, to watch some of these guys uh, make their move. And uh, it's, uh, college tennis is uh, it's unbelievable. It's just too bad that we just can't find a way, you know, to, to, to get more people to the matches. Because when, when they do come, they come back.
0: I completely agree with you. I would also do a full decade pod on how Chris Diaz and Kevin Metka got really freaking good. Despite aesthetically just crushing looking strokes. Uh, Two of my favorite players to watch throughout the decade as well. It's very fun. Uh, And it's a testament of, obviously, again, when we were doing the exercise, there were a bunch of Ohio State teams nominated. I'll have to send you the list, Coach, of who we threw in there as well. But Coach Tucker, thank you so much for taking the time entertaining all of our nonsense. Happy New Year to you and your Buckeyes. And, of course, good luck as you prepare for the 2020 season.
1: Guys, you're good guys, man. I appreciate the time and uh, hope to uh, see you down the road.
0: Of course, can I get a Go Bucks from you?
1: Go bucks! Oh, you trying to get me like that the coach for LSU trying to play me like that
0: now, huh? Like (laughs) your old tigers. Yeah, but take care, coach. Uh, Have a good one. Hope you enjoyed our conversation with the one and only Ohio State men's tennis head coach Ty Tucker. Chris, I mean, yeah, he didn't hold back,
2: did he? No, not at all. I mean, anybody that can get you get 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 you to, to say you're not listening to me very well, are you? I mean, that's the, I think I think Coach Tucker took he he must have had a little a, a little pregame talk with Coach Boland on on how to throw the digs in uh, your way, and it, it worked out very <laughs> well. I, I appreciate that, Coach.
0: I feel like uh, it's actually not – I feel like a lot of people would be like, are you actually listening ever, uh, Alex? And so I I feel like you know that. When have I ever listened to you, Chris? You and Matt will be talking, and I'll be like, no, I'm going to talk about this now. Um, But, no, I agree. I mean – Coach Tucker, again, that it's his third time coming on the podcast, that he's willing to come onto the podcast after I jinx his Ohio State Buckeyes in their game against Clemson. They're up 16-0, and I, I text him. I was like, this is the best team I've ever seen, and obviously we know how that game ended. So, um, you know, really appreciate Coach Tucker taking the time, and of course we want to wish him and his Buckeyes, despite them being Buckeyes, uh, success as they head into the 2020 season. Chris, on a side note, I feel like I get a bad rep now for being more biased than I actually am true
2: or false oh false come on <laughs> I think you're more biased than your rep I mean exactly the opposite come on
0: well I feel like I root for all of these teams right except for there are teams I don't root for we're not going to say the names out loud because we may or may not be interviewing those head coaches pretty soon um but yeah there's I ro- oh oh there, there's a whole list of two <laughs> <laughs> No, I love Wake Forest and I love Texas. I never mind. I'm not gonna get into it. Whatever. Yes, I love every team, uh equally and fairly and under the law, I'm supposed to say that, but that's not – except for the Wolverines, whom I love, just a shade and, – and the Who's, obviously, whom I love, just a shade above uh, everyone else. And Coach – oh, you're right. I'm very biased. It was false. Um, but, you know, we are obviously so thrilled, as we mentioned. we I think we're eight coaches up, eight coaches down, Chris, and that leaves us two left. The top two teams to end last year, the national title participants, obviously the runners-up in Wake Forest, and, of course, 2019 national title team, uh, Texas, uh, where we will have both coaches. Coaches Bresky and Coach Burke. I, I believe one of those two interviews have been scheduled already, but we'll try and get them both in the book soon. Obviously, the accompanying podcast to this, our mini-break podcast, myself, Chris, Matt Stokowiak, breaking down the teams, giving our thoughts uh, on how we project their seasons moving forward. And I think the one tidbit, Chris, to really take from Coach Tucker is he seems to think what we all have been uh, preaching over the courses of those mini-breaks is, you know, there may be two or three teams that stand out as really, really talented this year, but from four to 20 in college tennis this year, the parity has never been greater.
2: Yeah, uh, and I, th- I think the, the list up top's even grown bigger probably than than three, but but yeah, it's, I mean, he's right. There's, there's so many teams once you get past that first tier that it's kind of, you know, there's a big group where you just kind of throw them up. I'm not sure it goes so far down as, as 20, right? But I mean, 20 is still very, very good, And yeah, on their on their home court on any given day, could they jump up and bite you? Sure. But uh, but yeah, it's I mean, it's it's great to see that many good teams. And as he said, it's a testament to how hard, you know, how hard the coaches work at recruiting and how hard it is to get these kids these days. It's not like you can just find a find a sleeper under a rock somewhere uh, very often there. You know, everybody knows about everybody in this day and age.
0: I completely agree with you. And uh, again, a team we're not going to talk about. We can do this at the end. Uh, This is a little sneak preview for a topic we'll do. But teams we're not going to discuss in this preview, like Illinois. I feel like there's a world where Illinois ends 2020 as the national champs. That's not outlandish.
2: With, I, I think I, I, did, I didn't hear something right there. I'm, I'm not sure. Sorry.
0: No, I went without. See, again, <laughs> I don't listen. Maybe you don't listen, Chris. No, I'm saying there's a world where Illinois ends up as the national champs this year, and they're not a top 10 team. And I think that speaks to the
2: parody, or at least maybe that's
0: in my mind. But couldn't you see it?
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I really did hear you. I was just saying I don't think I heard something right there, Alex. So, <laughs> so yeah. And, and with my apologies to Coach Dancer. But, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Oh, that's an early. D- You're telling me Kova
0: AB up top. I mean, they bring back. Pa- all right, we're not we're not going to litigate this right now. You're absolutely right. But again, huge shout out to Coach Tucker uh, for taking the time to come on the podcast. Huge shout out as always to our super producers Max Ligner and Daniel Westhoff, who keep you guys up to date with all of our podcasts and as always have a f- of an editing job to do. Again, two teams left down the home stretch. Just uh, Wake Forest in Texas, and of course for the Ohio State podcast, you can go check out our mini break feed for our best of the decade, best college teams of the decade. It hasn't been recorded yet. It's going to be recorded in the 2020s, but screw it. I don't care. If you don't care, listeners, that will be on the horizon soon on our Great Shot podcast feed. And of course, for all of that content, you can check out our website, CrackRackets.com, the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. But with that being said, for my wonderful co-host, Chris Halliores, for our fantastic guest, Ohio State men's tennis head coach, Ty Tucker, and our for our super... For our super producers, Max Fleener and Daniel Westhoff, and from our entire teams at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. I now remember that there is no specific outro line on this podcast, so I will just say we will see you all next week. Thanks, Chris, as always.